Welcome to the DMSG Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hadley, founder and CEO of the Denver Medical Study Group. Based in Colorado, we're going into our 15th year this year with over 1,350 members in 29 states. Our educational events include DMSG webinars, podcasts, and in-person events. I'm excited today to visit with Kathy Howell, Chief Nursing Executive at UC Health and Chief Nursing Officer at University of Colorado Hospital. Kathy, would you tell us a little about yourself and your background? Well, thank you. And again, pleased to have a conversation with you today. Been a nurse for a long time. Um, most of my specialty as a nurse has been in leadership. Um, the last 34 years, I've been in um, leadership roles from supervisors, managers, um, directors, chief nurse, CEO, um, and then system chief nurse executive. So I have filled many roles in leadership, and and that has been most of my career. Um, and as you said, currently I'm the chief nursing executive for UC Health, and that includes um, partnering with over 9,300 nurses. Um, wow. throughout our system and really helping drive their practice and um, continue to improve the quality of care and and really focus on nursing excellence. Well, we're excited to hear all about that from you today. Uh, we've been through the three years of the pandemic here uh, related to issues in healthcare. And how has your nursing staff fared? during that time? Yeah, it was um, the most challenging time of my 41 years of, as a nurse. Been through a lot in 41 years, but this was the most challenging and really because of the duration. Um, not as much as the acuity. The acuity was was difficult, but it, we've had other, other challenges throughout my career where we had difficult acuity, but it really is just the duration and, and really the impact on the workforce. So, we went through some challenging times, um, definitely people getting burned out, having to what I call tap out for a while, maybe maybe go to what we call PRN, and that's just working, you know, a shift or two uh, um, um, a, a month just to kind of keep your feet in the door while you kind of decompress and heal. Um, people have gone to other aspects of healthcare that aren't in the acute care world. Um, and then there's been a lot of good I, conversation about mental health and really normalizing mental health, um, which is probably the best thing that's come out of this pandemic, um, especially our nursing teams. Our nursing team talk, teams talk about their mental health just like they do their physical health. And it's really a, a refreshing, balanced view of it. So we put a lot of things into place to help support them. We have a call line. It's called First Call. So anytime, 24-7, you're a nurse or a physician or um, any clinical colleague that is having a challenge, you can call that um, call line and there is a, a counselor on the other end. And they connect you then with therapists, et cetera. And all of this is free of charge. And it's just been game changing for us. Um, so access to mental health has been really, really important um, for there. Um, 
I'm sure glad we're in 2023 and at the tail end, you know, going into the second half of 2023, because there's been a lot of healing. The turnovers improved significantly because as everyone had lots of turnover during the pandemic. Um, since last year, our RN turnover has improved by five, almost 6%. Um, we're still not happy where it's at. It still needs to improve further. So continue to work on many strategies, whether it's flexible scheduling, um, making their work environments better, ensuring they have enough support staff um, to help kind of improve the care environment. So, and then, and then finally, we put in what we call peer support. Um, and that's some real trained clinicians who, if if something's tragic's happened to me with a patient, I can um, access peer support. And there's another nurse who's been through it, who's just willing to pick up the phone and talk with me and just have that conversation. And and research show there's shows there's significant um, improvement in and really a resiliency when they have a peer who just who just can relate to them has been through it and provides them that support. So, so I guess the, the, the answer here is lots of support, lots of support for teams and, and that's what they need. But, you know, again, things are much better, um, but we still are in a pretty dramatic nursing shortage. You, I have mentioned something when we visited earlier about um, boundaries and grit, you called it. And I thought that was an interesting label. Can you tell us a little bit more about what boundaries and grit are about? I may need to use that you know, myself. <laughs> it's a good life skill. You know, yeah. for a nurse to thrive in their career, number one, nurses are trained to jump into the fire, meaning you go where you need to go and you do what you need to do. So, so you really, you know, that's some of that grit. It's like you can get through a lot, um, but you also need the support. And then on the boundary side, you know, we all got into healthcare because we genuinely um, wanted to help people, improve people's lives. But you got to have boundaries there. You know, you can only go so far, um, and um, otherwise, you're really going to deplete your own reserves. And if we talk about put on your own PPE first, which is your personal protective equipment, we use that in a lot of analogies because if you don't have your own PPE on. You cannot help other individuals. So that's what I say. Grit is like you gotta you gotta be able to handle a lot and a lot of pressure. And we, you know, as, as I said, we go into the fire, but you gotta have boundaries as well. And you gotta, everyone's gotta learn where that personal boundaries are. You talked about PPE, and I was reading something uh yesterday, I think it was that. Some of the hospitals in the country are starting to mask up again. Are yeah, I know. That? I know. We're not yet. I mean, our um, infectious disease physicians are watching it closely. Um, and, you know, um, we'll make recommendations as time goes on. But, um, you know, we are not. Um, of course, anyone, anyone who has any respiratory symptoms needs to wear a mask. Um, when they're in groups or crowds, that hasn't changed. So we're just monitoring the data closely. Oh, good. You know, one of the issues that has always been present in healthcare is some sort of workplace violence. Uh, but it's increased during the pandemic. And I'm just curious as to what kind of issues uh, do you nurses, your nurses have to deal with and how are they being trained to handle them? 
Good question. And you know, as you said, workplace violence was here prior to the pandemic. Some data from OSHA, it's like um, healthcare workers are four times more likely to be victims of workplace violence than any other industry. And you know, that data was pre-COVID. Um, oh. And you know, as we've seen everywhere, um, kind of, especially the second year of COVID on and, and just with civil society, there, there's been a lot of fractures. And I always use the, the analogy, nurses have always had a um, contract with civil society. You know, we're here to care for you, whoever you are, wherever you're at, no questions asked. And then in return, you know, we don't expect to get, you know, assaulted and spit at and kicked and vulgar language and sexually attacked. And that's been cracked. And that's another real challenge in nursing um, is that fact. So what are we doing about it? Um, we are doing tons of training. Um, you know, it's like we've got to equip our nurses and our frontline support staff and anyone who has close um, proximity with patients and visitors. Number one, we understand that this many times they're interacting with us during the most horrible time in their life. They are stressed. It is always a high stakes environment. So we get that. So lots of training in de-escalation. And we're doing a, um, a lot more intense training. Um, it, um, it's called CPI training. And this is like eight hours of training um, that nurses and others go through to really train you on really um, further de-escalation techniques, but also some physical um, type of maneuver so you stay away and, you know, you know, a patient doesn't put you in a chokehold or doesn't pull your hair or whatever it might be. So you might call some of this street smarts. Some of it is like street smarts. Um, and then others are real kind of therapeutic techniques. So we're doing lots of training, really investing in that. Um, we also are doing a lot of, um, what I say, other kind of, what else can we do to control our environment? So we put up a lot of cameras everywhere. <laughs> so there's there's security cameras everywhere. Um, we've put in what we call visitor management um, system. So when you come into the door, you register. When you come to see an inpatient, you register. You get a you get a, a badge with your photo on it, um, so they know that you're coming in to see patient X, Y, or Z. Um, and so that just helps to kind of monitor who's in our building at any time. Um, we also um, have set up some real therapeutic processes and we call these stay safe huddles. And that is basically when we have patients or family members that we have really tried to manage therapeutically and it's not working, we call a stay safe huddle. And this is like a quick huddle of the entire multidisciplinary team, including our physicians and behavioral health specialists to help us develop an appropriate plan of care. And those have proven really um, improve the care of the patient and decrease the um, acts of violence that we've seen. So lots more to talk about. We could do a whole webinar or a whole um, podcast on workplace violence, but that's just some of the things we're doing. Nursing shortage is a big issue in healthcare, Kathy, and, and it's still an issue in Colorado and at UC Health, I imagine. What kind of support is available to your nurses to keep them in healthcare and to recruit new nurses? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, that some of the data shows, you know, there's a lot of nurses in healthcare. There's just so many opportunities 
whether it's in traditional healthcare or it's in business um, for nurses to work. So many, many opportunities um, from kind of some of the traditional roles. Um, as I target my comments, I'm gonna target them really to kind of the acute care hospital environment, um, which is where the shortage is. It isn't in other areas. And, um, you know, that's the 24-7 intense acute environment. And, you know, we've done a lot. I mean, the pandemic, we were doing things before the pandemic, but as the pandemic um, evolved and, and definitely over the last year, um, we've done a lot of listening sessions with our frontline nurses just to say, what's going to help? There's only this many nurses. What do you need? And we call that getting our nurses to work top of scope, top of license, and then surround them with support. So some examples of how we're surrounding them with support. We did, we um, designed a new role called a patient technology technician. Because nurses, as technology is just advanced in healthcare, it's just all on the front line. So the nurses end up to be super techs. And, you know, some of their shifts, they can just spend so much time on equipment, whether it's malfunctioning or it's not broken or they don't have it. And it's such a waste of good nursing time. So we developed this patient technology tech row to do just that. And that's kind of been a game changer. And we have implemented that um, in every single one of our hospitals and it's 24 seven support. So there's always what we call a PTT available to that nurse to help them manage their technology. Um, a game changer. We also have put in, um, in some of our hospitals, behavioral health specialist rounders. These are trained behavioral health specialists that are available for our nurses anytime, you know, they have a patient that they just can't manage from a behavioral perspective. And they really help work with the nursing team and the patient being more therapeutic um, and to help them manage their care. That's been helpful. Um, the other role we've put in, we put in some roles called mobility techs because patients need to be mobilized, meaning they need to walk. They need to get out of bed. You know, the longer you stay in bed, you just lose so much of your um, muscle strength. Um, so it's really important for recovery. So we have put into place what we call mobility techs, who their job is they come in and they are walking and mobilizing patients um, their entire shift. So it really helps um, with that aspect of the care continuum. And then we're, we're utilizing virtual nurses. And these are nurses that we have in our central, we have a virtual health center. Um, and there's a group of the critical care nurses. And what they're doing is monitoring all of our patients in acute care, not in the ICUs, but in mainly in the acute care, looking for what we call deterioration. And they can see that through deterioration algorithms that come out of our medical record. You know, all that data that goes into the medical record, all those vital signs, all those lab results, everything we document, we've um, worked with our data scientists to develop deterioration algorithms. So these nurses have a watch list based on that data to say, these are the 35 patients across the system that are that we've, we're watching close because we're concerned that they're going to really deteriorate. And so they call me and they call me, Kathy Nurse, and say, hey, we're watching Chris. We're a little worried about him. What, what's going on? And so they're kind of an eye in the sky um, to help us. And we did that. And we've had a significant decrease in what we call mortality, which is death, a significant decrease in code blues, patients having to go to the ICU. Um, and then we use virtual nurses to help admit patients. 
So, you know, you hear about a lot of documentation burden by nurses and physicians. This is a nurse that connects with new patients and their families when they get admitted and really helps complete a lot of the information that needs to go into medical record. And they just, they're actually connecting via an iPad. And we have that patient technology technician that gets the patient all set up and their family. And actually, it's been a very... um, successful role because the patients are getting a lot of attention right away. Um, the medical record is complete. And then the bedside nurse comes in and puts it all together. They already know Chris has these three issues. It's already been reviewed by the virtual nurse. So the nurse can right away get to work and do a head-to-toe assessment, start giving the medications and the fluids and the therapies that are needed. So again, what we're trying to do is just Um, give our nurses um, a lot of support so that they can monitor patients better, but also have more hands-on care um, to care for patients. So we believe by really what we call removing the pebbles from our nurses' shoes, um, that they will be much more satisfied and and kind of bring the joy back to nursing. Wow. Oh, that's impressive. You know, uh, Kathy, we have not talked about this, but one of the things that I have recently uh, seen uh, some information about is nurse staffing ratios. Uh, What is your perspective on nurse staffing ratios? Yeah, you know, nurse staffing is really important. And the ANA has a robust definition on how you assess nurse staffing. Um, The ratio is just one piece of it. And actually, it's really a 1990 solution to what we've got is a, you know, a 21st century problem. And so I believe we need to have staffing adequacy. You need to have a lot of hands-on care, but it's really about the right amount of support, not the ratio. It's about what's the patient population? What are the type of you know, if we're going to deliver perfect care for Chris, our patient, what do we all need to do and who should do it? And what should the nurse best do? And how do they manage that population? So it's much, much more sophisticated than just a nurse-patient ratio. That's just an easy way to think you're solving a problem and you're not. If if we have mandated ratios across this country, there will be huge excess problems and it will really stifle innovation. Because when you heard me talk about this virtual nurse, you talk about, I talk about patient technology techs, mobility techs, behavioral health specialists. Those are all really important roles that there's certain things they can do better than a nurse, like this behavioral health specialist or this mobility tech. We don't need the nurse to be doing that. Um, so it's a much more sophisticated conversation versus just nurse to patient ratios. Well, thanks for responding to that. I was interested to know what your thought was on that because it's a dynamic issue. There's no doubt about it. Uh, students enrolling in the schools of nursing uh, here in Colorado apparently is increasing. Uh, are hospitals able to provide preceptor nurses for the clinical training of these students before graduation? Yeah, you know, we've done a lot in that area. It's a challenge across the country. Um, it is, um, you know, when you have turnover and you're hiring lots of new people after the pandemic, You know, it's just like, gosh, is there enough experienced nurses to train the new world? Um, So we've been challenged with that as well. Um, We've been really um, piloting some 
different ways to look at it. And one pilot, which has been really successful and we're expanding it, is called using a core preceptor model. So that means um, when our new graduate nurses come on board, which we just hired the largest group of new grads that we have ever have in our history, um, when they come on board, they, for their first three weeks, they are with a group of nurses, three or four new, new graduates like they are, and one experienced nurse. And the goal is for those nurses to get all of their competencies completed. So they work with this nurse throughout the entire unit or several units to be able to get experiences that they need. Then each of them goes and, and is with another nurse, which is kind of the one-on-one -on -one preceptor, and they really kind of put it all together, learn how to manage a group of patients and really reinforce all of those competencies that they've been deemed competent to do. And by doing that, our, our um, new graduates have been much more satisfied. Um, a lot of them are ready to be independent a week earlier than those in a traditional model as well. So really looking, and then we have a role um, that we put in place two years ago called a clinical education resource nurse. These are experienced nurses. They work nights and weekends only. And what they do is for their entire shift, they work with all of the nurses with less than one year experience. So they come, they're available. They can get them, you know, via the phone. They can come in person, help them assess their patients so that we have an experienced nurse to help them for that first year. Um, and again, nights and weekends is, is where they're focused on. And that's been very helpful and very successful as well. So really trying to think differently about what kind of support that um, they need. It's interesting. Uh, my understanding is that there, I don't know, you would have a better perspective on this. Uh, are the student nurse uh, nurses in the schools, are they increasing or are they stable? Or are they? Uh, you know, you know here, in here in Colorado, we're pretty lucky. Um, in some states, they're not, but they're still increasing. And and one of our our biggest academic partner, which is the University of Colorado um, College of Nursing, they have really expanded their program significantly. And and you know, we place many of their students, so they absolutely have been able to um, continue to graduate more nurses, and um, we're very grateful for that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, Kathy, it's, it's been a pleasure to visit with you today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add to our discussion? You know, I would just say for anyone out there who is a nurse or has maybe a young person that they're advising in their careers, you know, I always look back and nursing is one of the best professions out there. And if I were to do it all over again, I would become a nurse. So, you know, please with all the challenges, no, this is really an exciting time in medicine and in healthcare. And, you know, in times of change is when innovation comes. Um, so it's it's the time to step up and it's, it's one of the most rewarding careers you can have. Well, thank you much, Kathy. Uh, you have a great perspective on it and I appreciate you sharing with us today. You bet.